Good evening, travelers of the night. Tonight, Roll for Impact ventures further into the abyss, where echoes of ancient prayers and hollowed corridors resonate with secrets that they don't want you to know. Here, in the shadows of our tale, the very foundations of faith tremble, revealing paths shrouded in sacrilege. I'm your dungeon master, Wesley, but you can call me Wes. In the previous episode, Esperanza confronted her fears, Trevor confronted his impending death, and Dr. Isadora Glass confronted her nexus-bound nemesis, Lord Felix Royce. Nihilus, however, was awfully quiet last session, wasn't he? Well, today we are joined by Shane as Trevor, Slim as Valadin, Ari as Esperanza, Matt as Nihilus Von Stonen, and Asteria as Dr. Isadora Glass. Settle in as we unravel the next chapter in our campaign, The Stranger. Nihilus von Stonen. You are in a dusty old storage space in a large temple of the Testimonium Veritas, and you are tasked with cleaning out a lot of the old, unused possessions, putting them into storage or discarding of them. And with you is Eirik Halverson. You know him as the Inquisitor in present day that was sent to Crow Perch ahead of you. 
but this is not present day. You're not an inquisitor. You're just a priest helping to decide on the future of old, dusty artifacts. Eirik presents as a scholarly man, late thirties, thoughtful in his demeanor, his hair neatly combed, dark, with hints of emerging gray. He wears, always wears, modest attire, typical of a regular scholar of the testimonium. And he opens up yet another crate in front of you. You hear the crowbar meet the wood and pry open a lid. Nihilus, would you take a look in here for me? Which is, of course, is that a new shipment we got in? No, no, not a new shipment. Nothing up here is new. Uh, it's hmm. yet another <laughs> box of dust. He reaches inside and pulls out. Oh. Old testimoniums. Old ones? Yes, uh, some of these look older than others. He pulls out a few and uh, starts unpacking the box, making a pile of books next to it. The dust kind of kicks into the air. You can see it clouding in the rays of light from the attic window. Some very old. Pulls out a leather-bound, weathered book. This one could be more than a hundred years old. They look quite ancient to me. Oh, yes, of course. I would, the knowledge they would have, how old they would be... I'm, Surprised there are so many, to, to be frank. Yes, they, they are numerous. Uh, would you... He takes the oldest one there and opens it up in front of you. Hmm. Do you have yours with you? Uh, uh well, I, I know I should... I, I know I should, but I didn't want to get it dirty, so I, I left it behind. No problem. Take mine. And he takes out his more modern version and hands it to you. Oh, wow. He goes through it with a gleaming face. He's almost already with his entire mind stuck on his book, like almost forgetting that Eric is right there. Well, that's odd. Uh, turn to chapter 4, verse verse 12 to 16. Mm. He happily does so, and he starts reading aloud just from there. In the vast expanse of shadows and light, there lies not only the path to understanding, but the road to enlightenment. He who seeks wisdom must not only embrace the journey of the spirit, but also lead others along this sacred path. For within the collective heart lies the key to the vault of heaven. And thus spake Lazarus unto the seekers, Venture forth not only into the depths of your own soul, but into the vastness of the world. For therein lies the sacred script, the unspoken word, the testimonium veritas. It is your duty to carry this light into the darkened corners of the earth. Hold on like there the for a moment. Oh, oh, yes. He turns to the same page in this old book. In the 
tranquil tapestry of existence where the gentle whispers of destiny interlace with harmonious threads of purpose, there lies path to true enlightenment. He who seeks wisdom must first understand the virtue of humility, for within the quietude of the soul lies the beacon of divine light. And verse 12, And thus spake Lazarus unto the humble seekers, Embark upon the journey of the heart, for therein lies the sacred essence, the gentle whisper of the testimonium veritas. Odd. Indeed. That's a different message, it seems. A different approach? I know it's been translated over time, and translations are updated. But I'd feel that that's different, no? Well, yes, I s- suppose that's what makes it so unique. The testimony and veritas, they all have their own additions, but to be embraced with a whole new message, so contextually different, it must have quite the meaning of the original owner of this one. Say, does it have more information? Who's it from? How old it uh, is? Would you read uh, verse 13, please? Of course. With a bit of a happy smile on his face, eagerly eagerly going to new discoveries, he starts to read out loud. Like the tides that ebb and flow at the behest of the moon, let your purpose be moved by the rhythm of divine wisdom. For as the moon governs the waters of the world, so shall the enlightened guide the currents of humanity. As the stream meanders softly through the meadow... Guiding without force, so must you walk among your brethren. For as the stream nourishes the earth in its gentle passage, so shall your kindness touch the hearts of many. Nihilus, I... I think this is an important discovery. Perhaps we should bring this to the elders. I mean, we should. I mean, it's a whole different message. What do you think that would mean? Is it to embrace the community to move forward as a whole but that would go between all that we stand for that should be the message between the people and the god yours and ours the, the modern interpretation says the enlightened should guide the currents of humanity that's what I know to be true it's a clear message for those who serve Lazarus Verse 16, please. Of course, of course. He strolls down with his eyes a bit below and takes a deep breath and eagerly says, And so, as you walk the path of the testimonium, let each step outside your comfort zone be a testament to your faith, each interaction a hymn of your wisdom. For in the pursuit of the divine, you are called to find the forge to paradise. Not just within, but in the wider world, establishing a kingdom of righteousness and peace. And so, as you tread softly upon the path of the testimonium, let each step be a whisper of your faith, each breath a silent hymn of devotion. For in the quiet pursuit of the divine, you shall discover not only the sanctity within, but also the thread that weaves all souls together in a tapestry of righteousness and peace. Father Halverson, this is not just a simple addition to the clear messages of Lazarus, but this is 
erasure at addition. This is a whole different meaning. If these verses were spread out loud in its meaning through its faith of the beholder, it would be like a whole new way of speaking the truth. I'm going to bring this to the elders. I think... Uh, Nihilus, why, why don't you finish up here? We'll reconvene later, but I don't think this discovery should go unnoticed. Perhaps the the translations have been wrong or misguided, and or this one is. I, I can't quite say, but it, it deserves proper treatment amongst Shall those I? who have the power to ordain such discovery. We must get to the bottom of this. Shall I go through the other testimonium veritas while you do so? Please do. I'm curious to know how it's evolved over time. Or why. I will. After these events with Eirik, Nihilus, you went through all of the editions some with small variations, but this one being the oldest is the most extreme. And it was only one week later that Eirik was delivered a new mission among the ter- testimonium, a pilgrimage to spread the faith to the island of Crow Perch. And after he left that day, you never saw him again. And so, years later, you find yourself in the island of Crow Perch at a party for Lord Felix Royce. You stayed in the common space while the rest of your group went to the back and Lord Felix Royce looks like he's about to give a speech as you mingle amongst the crowd you see one of the attendees of the party is adorned with a hood a robe that goes all the way to the ground his face though is what you recognize above all This is Eirik, the same one who didn't report back to Kieranstone and the Testimonium. The same one who went ahead of you to Crow Perch. The same one that effectively disappeared. Well, there's a lot going on on Nihilus' mind being at the quote-unquote party. He was... He's also there to, to mingle, to get more information about the island itself, to discover its secrets. And suddenly seeing this, a man he thought to be proclaimed, thankfully dead, uh, by the church itself, or at least missing without proof. He gets closer to this man he recognizes, and without trying to get too much attention on himself, even though he's clearly standing out with his heavily red and bluish heaven elegant suit, he tries to get a clearer look on his face to really make sure, is this Father Halferson, the one 
who I learned from many years ago. As you get a closer look, you see his hair, once neatly combed, is now unkempt. A bit of wild locks with some braids going down the sides. You see he's grown a beard. He has streaks of gray under his eyes that look to be like some sort of makeup. It's hard to tell. His robe is long and, to some extent, relatively opulent. Does the man carry a specific face? One of anguish, disgust, anger, any emotional bearings that Nihilus could retract? He looks confident. He almost exudes a grandiose, higher power sort of expression on his face. He holds his chin up. Yet his eyes, they remain restful. With that, Nihilus takes a deep breath, puts down his alcoholic beverage, and steps forward towards Eirik and says aloud, Say, terribly sorry for intruding, but do I recognize you? I think I do. Is that... uh, uh, Ah, Nihilus, my... Old friend, how divinely ordained it is to see you amidst this worldly congregation. And you, Father, it's been ages. I have so many questions that come to mind, but what brings you here? Uh, Well, Nihilus, you seek understanding. I will be happy to guide that. You see, these influential souls have lost their worldly pursuits and are in dire need of enlightenment. He seems to be referring to all the nobility around. Clearer eyes would distinguish nothing else. I fully agree. Please, if you... you, I don't know about your whereabouts, but if you could pick out a date in order to speak to one another, I would dearly appreciate it. It's it's a wholeheartedly surprise to see you here right now in front of me. I have a compound outside of the city of Port Hill Crest. I'll be back there. I would love to catch up, Nihilus, to speak about what you've been up to and what brings you here. I find it as my duty to illuminate their path. I'm so glad to hear that. It's, I don't know if if you you're aware of it yourself, but the church they, or at least some, the rumors were that you were declared dead. So seeing you here after so many years, it's it's a pleasure to my heart, a friendly face, <laughs> one I have not seen in a long time. He dons a more concerned expression as he gently grabs onto your lapel to pull you forward a bit so we can whisper. Nihilus, I don't think you should be listening to anything that the church says. They lie, Nihilus. You have to understand. There's there's a, there's a pale anguish on Nihilus's face. His blood starts to leave his face a bit and he gets this... Pale recommendation, very quickly, very suddenly, he says, Look, we should not speak about such things here. 
could we dedicate a time? I, I have others I have to attend to here today, tonight. You hear as Lord Felix Royce begins his speech. There are people here from all walks of life. And he leans in even further. Nihilus, this can't wait. You see, I have been granted enlightenment. I have read the ancient testimonium. And I'm here, Nihilus, to be the beacon, the harbinger of a new dawn for the testimonium. You, f you found it? The original testimonium Veritas? Oh, holy book, the one thought to be thrown in the sea by the jealous devil? No, I, I wish. But I found something greater. I found purpose, and his eyes almost look directly into yours as if looking past you into your soul. He seems to be on a mission of great divine providence, at least to his perspective. For a moment, Nihilus feels nostalgia. He looks upon this man who was once someone greater than him, even though they hold the same title. Nihilus does not feel like that at that moment. Looks upon him with that divine feeling and... well. Let me be your assistance in whatever endeavor I can be. What is, what is this purpose you found yourself in? You see, that man over there, and he looks across to Lord Felix Royce, who continues, We have old colleagues and new ones, notable families, most notably representatives of the Vanthorns. That man over there, I sense he's different. Like me. An enlightened? Certainly so. I hear... I hear whispers from beyond. I think it's... The testimonium speaking to me. I can sense that he must hear them too. Could it be? You both hear the fox those veritas? The true voice of God? I do. It has told me... How to worship, finally, the right way. Not how it's been corrupted over all these years, these expansionist policies that the testimonium, Kieran Stone, profess. I've, I've had my theories ever since your departure. Things didn't seem right. I, I tried to do what I could and the places I visited, but I finally hear someone else say it, that I've discovered true corruption to say it out loud. Like a weight that reveals of my heart. Do you not feel you're in danger just for saying such? Perhaps, but... The Vox Dus Veritas will protect me. And Lord Felix Royce finally continues. Sam, would you please come out as you see that it's not happening? And he continues. Guards, would you please go collect him? 
and you see there is a scuffle starting to happen in front of the door. I fear this might be the wrong time. I uh, He turns, I have to go before something happens. Find me here. And he shoves a small piece of paper into your hand and closes your hand around it. That's where I my will. compound is located. And I I hope I can do you proudly, but I, let us meet as equals this time. We are all equals under the eyes of the Vox Deus Veritas. Though you should understand that I have a level of enlightenment now, which I'll be glad to explain later. I'm looking forward to opening your eyes, Nihilus. It's, it's been so good to see you, Father. It's You will speak again, yes. And he looks around at the commotion happening all around him. We will speak. And as he walks away, and do be wary of the mendacious accusations that nobles tend to sling. There is a lot of corruption in this room. He walks by, and before before anything severe starts happening, you see him exit the building, just as Lord Felix Royce yells out, Barricade the doors! Lydus starts to have a look around at the situation, distancing himself, trying to calculate. It's like he was lost in train of thought, and suddenly everything is it's coming by. It's a lot more chaotic than he starts to realize. He wants to look at the rest of the common folk, how they're responding. You see that there is a general sense of tension that starts to build around the room. You see that there is a separation starting to grow from Lord Felix Royce and his, his goons, we'll call them, and the door. And you see as... There is now a commotion, oil being spilled under the door. The tension starts to rise and silence befalls those who make their distance. He keeps to a look from now. He is more worried about the common folk with all the eruption suspicion. He knows that his companions are not in sight and he, well, he's going to keep his distance. He's going to be ready. He's going to look for the entrance of this place does it look like there's anyone trying to, to barricade it or the rest of Lord Felix's men up to something two of his men seem to stand in front of the door they aren't barricading it but they're not preventing people from leaving at this moment you see as uh, now one of the goons has slammed his body against the door trying to break it open but slipping on the oil He's going to hide himself in the rest of the crowd and try to take that moment to unpack his spell book from his clothes. Yet again, there is a slam against the door until finally you see as Dr. Glass opens it ahead of Lord Felix Royce, casting something that truly seemed dangerous. She calms the room gives reassurances that it's evident Lord Felix Royce doesn't want to have spoken aloud. And his demeanor, his combative demeanor, is immediately shifted to decompress the tension in the room. As he commands the doors be unbarricaded, you see people pouring out of the building as quickly as possible. 
as Dr. Glass and your cohorts step out as Lord Felix Roy steps in. And at the last second, Valadin lights a flame to the oil on the ground as it lights, engulfing the ceiling, putting a barrier of fire between your party, Lord Felix Royce, and whoever was back there. The bottle of oil that was near the fire explodes into another ball of flame. Thankfully, late enough that everybody had been able to exit the building, you at this point, waiting for your party to make their own exit, are the last one in here. And everybody else, you're here. Are, are all of you well? There was such commotion. The building's on fire. Is there anyone else back there? No one that will mind. We need to move, Nihilus. Right. Now. I saw Lord, Lord Felix went in there. Dr. Glass is still on stage, and she looks frozen and shocked. And she looks at Nihilus and sees him. She says, They're, they're back there. Nihilus, I don't know what to do. Don't. He's one of the enlightened. I must get them out. You to get get to safety. Get out of here. And he starts to unpack his spell book, starting to go through the pages, and you can see see he's starting to take a deep breath, and he's getting himself ready. What? Do, I, I I don't know what you're doing, but we're all going to be very enlightened if we we don't leave. We have to go, oh, Nihilus. You all go. Let, leave me and Nihilus to take care of it. Excuse me, Doctor, but. Oh, I don't think it's right for me to just leave you in here. Uh, however you are, uh, I'm going to stick around, too. If we got to get people out of here, I'll be right with you. Wes, what do we see? Uh, do we just see flames? Can we see Felix? You see as the flames are are quickly engulfing the house. It's a wood-framed house. It's filled with wooden furniture, wooden picture frames with canvas coverings. Uh, it's a tinderbox, and at this point, the heat coming from that doorway that Lord Felix Royce has just stepped through is is so severe that standing all the way across the room, you feel it singeing the fronts of your eyelashes and, and drying your skin of your face. Lilas once again says, Go, leave, before the smoke takes you. And he puts his hand into his open spellbook, having found the right place, his holy symbol on his neck starts to glow faintly and with tension he starts to pull up and he grabs these tendrils of water and then in a quick motion he pushes it forward and slaps his spell book once again and he creates a spell create water to spout water at the walls preventing the fire from spreading knowing that this is an oil based fire he will not actively put water on the fire itself is going to prevent the fire from going around. Immediately after, he uses that deep breath that he has to speak aloud and uses thaumaturgy to raise his voice by triple the amount and speaks aloud. Lord Felix Royce, are you in there? Are you all right? You hear a response in your head. I'll be fine. I'm going to diminish the flames. Get ready to pick anyone and step through. You hear in your head. Uh... Fine. Hold it. Hold the water steady. And you hear footsteps from behind the doorway. Uh, 
as you spray this water around the edges, it pools on the ground. It, it, it does, though, spread the oil around. You can see that there is a still very dangerous-looking hole in the fire. And you see Lord Felix Royce step through with Sam Van Thorn. Of course, Thompson is what he originally said. And who was the last one? Uh, one second. Uh, Todd. Todd Gray. Todd Gray. Todd Gray. Steps through with Sam Van Thorn and Todd Gray. Uh, you see Sam Van Thorn especially seems severely burned on his face and body. And as they step their way through, he's basically dragging Sam at this point. He's not even walking. And they briskly walk through the doorway and run by you as he says aloud, Get out! Hmm. Is that everyone? That's everyone. Get out! And he runs, kicking the front door back open. Basically breaks off the hinges as the wood is already charred beyond recognition and steps out into a crowd of people who are all watching the flames from a distance. And through this, Dr. Glass has just been using Mage Hand to grab napkins off of tables and and wet them in pitchers and pass them out to people to breathe through as the smoke grows. Before taking his leave, Nihilus speaks aloud once more and uses thaumaturgy to dim every flame within the 30 feet radius, whether it is on someone's body, allowed, sparks anywhere. And as he does, and he does this with just his verbal commands, by Saurus's will, you will not burn this day. Let a light be gone. Let coldness take your body. Take rest. And every flame in a 20 feet radius around him not just dims, but it changes in color, recognizing the Saurus God's domain, and it changes from this red-orangey color to a dimmer blue one. Just a small recognition of the fire that is being touched by Saurus's will. The flames diminish around. The Even the, the foliage in front of the house just extinguishes some of it as wisps of smoke go up and... Behind you, as you step out, you see this beautiful manor that Lord Felix Royce's housewarming is completely ablaze, and it only takes minutes before you see collapsing of the wood and structure in front of you. You see carriages frantically making their way out as people are making their exit, and the crowd is diminishing little by little. Uh, as, uh, as Trevor sees this, uh, sees Felix uh, carrying Sam, uh, sees uh, Todd Gray, uh, the person he faced off with way back when. Uh, he looks at them almost on instinct. He wants to reach out to try and help, but then sees Felix carrying Sam, sees Todd, sees this isn't my place. I got to get the people I care about out first. And is just going to go look over to Esper. Go. Esper, you good to go? Uh, if, if we get spe- separated, you, uh, the, 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 the whaler, the whaler, go back to the whaler. This place is falling apart. If we're going, we're going now. I know, I know. I'm going. And she's going to turn. And if to anybody around Esper, she's going to be hollering at them, shouting, get out, get out, get out. And she's trying to guide and push people along towards the door to get them out. 
You do so. And once out, Esper, I think, is going to be shouting towards the carriages to see if any of them are going towards Crow Perch. You, as you step out, you find one of the carriages that you arrived on is still there waiting for your departure. And it will hold the entire group if you need. Esper is going to go to the driver who presumably is there and just say, hold, wait, there's just a few people coming. Uh, they're going to be soon. They're going to be soon. Everybody is leaving. Just stay a little longer. I'm here for you. Don't you worry. Esper will continue to worry, and Esper will remain climbed up towards the top of the carriage, watching as the flames begin to spread, searching wildly as these people are coming out in streams and flagging as soon as she can any of those who are familiar with her and her party. Dr. Glass would have booked it out of there as much as she's capable of that. You know, got down off the stage. As soon as the they were the Felix et al. were out of that room, she would have, you know, gotten down off the stage and, and left after them. But once she's outside, she's looking for Felix. Does she see him? You see a black ornate carriage, the one he arrived in on. As he's shuffling in quickly, you see Sam being almost thrown into the carriage, his body limp. You see a man with round spectacles, uh, looks to be a doctorly sort. Uh, and you see... Uh, oh God, what the heck is his name again? Tom, no. Todd. Todd. Gosh. You see Todd Gray also step in, dragging Sam's body in further, and Lord Felix Royce is about to... And in his, into his mind, I, I call his name, let's see, Felix, uh, almost with that, with a bit of that begging tone that she had had not long ago. Promise me she wasn't in there. He's not in there, you hear back. Haven't you done enough? And he pushes the body in further and slams the door. You still feel the mental connection as the carriage starts to go away. Thank you, Felix. And Dr. Glass has also made her way to Trevor and, and the group. You'll easily be able to see Esper towards the top of a carriage, frantically waving her arms once Esper sees him. <laughs> Balanin would have made his way to the carriage, standing next to it, quietly. Lila steps in. From the looks of it, this is someone to pull the carriage? Yes. The, as soon as you step in and the carriage is full, the driver looks back, just an elderly driver, uh, nobody of note. And he gives a brief little nod to Esper to say, is that everyone? Esper is looking, and as she looks between them, she counts little with her fingers, clearly in her mind, making sure to note them in multiple ways. Yes, 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 please. Um, The Whaler. The Whaler Hotel. He nods politely, ever so calm, and the carriage shoves off gently into the night on an old path that will lead back to Port Hillcrest. And once they're a little bit underway, Dr. Glass looks up. No. She doesn't look up first. She just reaches across and wraps a hand around Nihilus's wrist and says, thank you, Nihilus. 
slight smile on his face. You can see he's quite distracted with his mind of thought, but he appreciates it. Uh, on uh, still seated on the carriage, uh, Trevor, who's a little less, um, he's still processing, of course, um, but not having much of a personal, uh, not having much personal skin in the game. Uh, he is at a bit, he has a bit more liberty to uh, speak his mind. Uh, as he kind of looks out the carriage, he goes, okay, uh, so, uh, we seem to be fucking up wherever we go. Um, I need, I need to say, uh, Nihilus, um, good thinking. Uh, I, I, I didn't, I didn't know what to do. Uh, whatever magic you got packing really helped us out, but I, 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 I hope I'm not being forward um, what was that thing you said about about Felix, right? Lightened? Light- it- He's an enlightened one. It's, I, I had Dr. no Glass idea. looks up, because she... <laughs> My mind is not... It's trying to process it itself as well. Everything happened so quickly. First, what happened with all of you? I was... Speaking to Eirik for one moment, I turned around and there was... There was fire! Was that us? Was that you? There were people there! God damn it! People with weapons, ready to slaughter half the room. Some choices had to be made very quickly. It was very confusing. And she does turn to Validin and the others and say, And I'm sure I... I know that I... I wasn't my usual self. Uh, I don't blame anyone for anything they did. I don't... I don't know if I did the right thing. I'm glad no one died, though. What I know is that it looked like a lot of things that I told you about from my dream were really going to happen. And instead... Nobody died. It may not have been uh, the smoothest uh, ride, but nobody, nobody's dead. And they could have been. I must be frank, Esper. At first, I... I had my doubts that your dream was truly one of clairvoyance, one to be true, but I feel like if we did not have that information up ahead and some things happened differently then well I don't know what would have happened but I'm sorry anyway for having such clouded thoughts towards your words nobody would just believe someone they don't know about a dream that they were sure really is going to happen I, I I wouldn't I wouldn't blame you if you didn't believe me at first don't don't trouble yourself with that kind of thought I had to admit I had my doubts as well but what put them to rest was seeing Lord Felix in person Bill turned to glass this man will kill you 
and everyone with you. You were quite clever in the way you dealt with it, but if there hadn't been a distraction, I don't think we would have been able to leave. Yeah, like, I, I, I ain't blaming you for doing what you've done. You know, especially, you know, it was after what I, what I'd done, uh, with, uh, back there, um, you know, with Constantine, um, but I think we was all on the back foot. We, we all wasn't thinking straight. The stuff with Felix, uh, they, there's history. Um, that's, that's all I could really glean from, from what he was telling Dr. Glass about is that they they was working on something um enlightened i'm getting a lot of like words thrown at me that i don't know what they mean um consonants enlightenment a nexus um but what i do understand is that and kind of he his eyes uh dart to dr glass being like can i just say it she she hasn't looked up really but she nods is that he's got he's got her aunt somewhere maybe had her in in that place there there was a hole where someone was living in for a while I'm so sorry knowing Felix though I and the Van Thorns I suppose they might have held any number of people he he does keep that man that Sam I kind of I kind of get the feeling that he keeps Sam on ether. That he keeps Sam the way he is. Could be. I suspect that's how he brought him back here to be presentable. I'm, I'm so sorry to hear that, Dr. Glass. I truly am. Tre- Trevor, to get back to what you were saying, I, I blurted it out, honestly, but in... Saurus's testimonium, we call, there are a few individuals who we call enlightened. Um, in our religion, we believe that sometimes Saurus, even though he himself is now the testimonium veritas, this holy book that I cover with me, he gave up his own body and will to be put into teachings for us to learn from. But we call a few individuals the enlightened. Those who can still hear the vox, those veritas, the true voice of God, the voice of Lazarus. And I was, just now, I was speaking to an old inquisitor, perhaps even a mentor of mine, Sir Father Eirik Halvorsen. He came to Crow's Perch many, many years ago before me. He was tasked similarly as I do in theory of what I am to guess at. I never discovered his true tasks. And I just discovered that he's alive, he's here. And it sprung on me, but he said that Lord Felix Royce is an enlightened. Dr. Glass closes her eyes. Oh dear. Can you tell me more about what it's like for someone to be enlightened how do they hear this voice well I myself am not lucky enough to be of those like truly this is 
this is rare in the, in the scriptures and the textures in the many years that are bygone there are only a handful of individuals so to be one encountered in my lifetime is, is truly a discovery um the Vox Dos Veritas is a number of godly individuals who receive word of Lazarus. This can be in many different forms, but the most commonly known is through the Testimony Veritas, the holy spellbook itself. It would be like, at least this is how I was taught, that specific letters or words would be enlightened they would have light on the fractional words and it is you as inquisitor to decipher the message you you as inquisitor but someone not being a follower of the Lazarus testimonium being an enlightened person never even dreamt above she lifts her head and says so an enlightened individual would look at that book and see certain words or letters illuminated? Right. And it would be up to them as a task to decipher it. Immediately or sort of with study? Could be a single letter and only another one to be revealed a year later. It could be that there are many sentences and words being enlightened all at the same time. It's often all open to interpretation and it's the skill of the Inquisitor to decipher it fully. Some even take years. Uh, I see. I'm sorry. May I? But just. I have a question about this. What keeps an Inquisitor or a, a, an enlightened from just saying what they want to be there? Well, that's the fun you think about truth, the honesty and the openness. It is up to you to decipher it. Even if you have the skills and expertise to decipher it, to share, validate those thoughtfulness, those words, that message with others, is the truest skill of them all. Rather like being an analyst, I suppose. And you trust that Felix is one of these people who can be trusted to see the real letters. I trust that a person who I adored, trusted, used to be a mentor to me and others, believes that. I don't know your person. I'm not going to make any guesses about them, but I know enough about Felix to know that he maybe shouldn't be trusted about that. Nihilus, can I see your book? I don't see a reason. Why not? So she takes a breath and, uh, you know, with mage hand to help her pr- keep it, hold it. She flips through it. Slowly at first. And so, Wes, you tell me if she sees anything interesting. It's a long ride to Port Hillcrest. You have time. Go ahead and roll religion. I would like to engage with this open-heartedly, and I you know that I'm a skeptic, and I've been a bit I've had walls up, I suppose, about religion, but if you have any guidance you can offer as I flip through this, I would be 
much obliged. Religion's not my strong suit. Purposefully sitting next to Dr. Glass in this, instead of guidance, if allowed, he would like to perform the help action by simply asking and saying what are the things that she should look for and to help decipher and if allowed you prefer the use the help action i think that's great in fact you're look you're about the biggest professional on the testimonium in the region so you could also impose guidance and the help action uh so you can add both Thank you so much. As Nihilus assists. Uh, 16 religion. So let me ask this before I give an answer. Is there something that Dr. Glass is looking for? What kind of insights is she trying to get? Oh, yes. Very specific. She thinks that enlightened people are actually just nexus-bound people. And she wants to see if she is quote-unquote unlightened and these words are going and letters are going to light up for her because she is nexus bound you look at the book and with a 16 you you have plenty of time to review its chapters chapters one two three four skimming through for anything in reference to enlightenment and there in chapter six verse 21 to 25 you see He who seeks this divine illumination must first embrace the light within, for the quietude of the spirit lies the dawn of understanding. And there are some passages here. Thus spake Lazarus unto those yearning for the truth, seek not enlightenment for the clamor of the world, but the stillness of your being. It is the silence that whispers of the divine and heard most clearly from within. Walk gently, in verse 3, upon the earth, with eyes open to the marvels of creation, for in every leaf and every drop of water lies a lesson on the cosmos. And as you read through it, though it's not overt, you can see similarities to somewhat of what you expect to find in here, that there are some aspects similar to being nexus bound a voice from within and she's remembering what Felix was telling her about needing to I don't he might have even used the word embrace uh, and what they'd just been talking about about how she had been afraid of exploring her power and her whisper self because of the madness she'd seen and the also just the the societal anger she'd seen directed at her aunt and her patients and that Abelard and Felix had were you know preaching you know go towards that you know, go towards that thing in you that you fear. Heed the voice within, for it is the harbinger of your destiny. This inner call is not just a whisper in your heart, but a command to extend your reach, as the roots of the great oak spread far beneath the earth, claiming its place in the world. So must you stretch your spirit beyond the confines of your immediate sight. 
and she very I think with mage hand so as not to damage anything just like runs a finger over that portion I know you weren't there when Felix and I were talking about well I suppose cosmic level matters I think just remember that enlightened does not necessarily mean good enlightened is a power it seems to me that it is a power that makes that brings one closer to godhood not necessarily godliness and people who seek that kind of power are dangerous I know you admire enlightenment because you see all the good it can do for the world I mean it's in the name you want to bring light but there are my I know what you told me about Lord Felix Royce and I did not forget those words I know what he did and he looks at your leg And I don't mean to say that his actions are given or forgotten. Just trying to say that I need to discover more. I know, I I agree. And I don't... need to find my (sighs) truth. God, help me. I still want to help him. Believe it or not, Nihilus, I started out as a person who wanted to help people. Uh, And Felix is in a way family to me. And it will probably get me killed, you're right, Validin. I'm sure he will kill me. But there's something in me that does not want to give up on him. So I'm not even telling you that It's not just about good and evil. It's about what the human mind can bear. My aunt used to say that, uh, she used to pose me this question when I was little. The, the human mind cannot fathom a void. Why do you think that is, little Dora? It took me a while to figure out that it's because there's no such thing. There's something in there. Perhaps it's this divine of yours. Or perhaps it's something vile. That's what Felix said. As uh, as the doctor says that, whether it comes from the adrenaline wearing off, the uh, exertions from the past days, the rhythmic bumping of the carriages, or the 
metaphysical speaking of godhood that's just going over Trevor's head. He is starting to doze off. Um, but he's still sort of keeping an ear out and hearing uh, the doctor say that uh, his eyes kind of blink back awake uh, in kind of like a a shock. He goes, um, no, wait, uh, <clears throat> sorry, uh, no, I, I heard, I heard that before, or not heard it, I seen it. Um, seen what? Do I have? Like a, like a bit of that. Um, when I was in the hole, when I was in, uh, Felix's little hidey hole, there was writing there. It, it, it was more like 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 scratches on the walls. Shit, what was it? It, it was like it was the start of that. It was uh, our our minds uh, cannot fathom the void. That's what it said. Really? Yeah, yeah. Oh. Could just be this place. As he kind of shuffles a bit from his little corner in the carriage. You know, his place seems filled with secrets. It's just, you know, your, uh, your faith. It's all about finding truth, right? Truth, openness, yes. This ain't the place to be preaching that, I think. Even, even this Irish guy, you know, he left the, the faith. He didn't give no word if he was even alive. Then he pops up back here. This, it stinks. That's the thing. I honestly thought that, well, you know, there are great men, but even some of the greatest ones, they, they fail in their task. They leave for long periods of time and they, well, they, they sin. They leave their religion. It's not something I adore or wish to speak aloud, but it happens. And honestly, I thought that even if I would have found him here alive, that's something that would have happened. He would have disrenowned his faith towards Soros. That was not the case. He was still devoted as, as ever. I. Yet, how come we haven't heard a single word of him before? I. Oh, Nihilus. If you'd told me any of this the other day. And she pats his hand. Thank you for telling us. The carriage stops in front of the whaler, and the driver turns back. Well, that's it then. I've brought you back home. It's time for me to do so as well. As we are uh, getting out of the carriage, Dr. Glass is going to feel a bit of a tug on her freehand, the one without the cane. Uh, I'm, I'm sorry to bother, but... It, would it be okay if I continued to stay with you and, and you too, Trevor? Yes, of course, dear. I think that's the best, in fact. I have a room, I think, but it's 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 with Augie and I don't... It doesn't matter if he doesn't have control over me right now. I don't want to... I don't want a room with Augie. We've seen enough of him lately. Yeah. That. Exactly. Yeah, if you were like freaked out about like the the folks you was talking to at the hospital, yeah, 
I mean, safety in numbers, right? Welcome aboard. At that mention, it's definitely like Esper's mouth kind of was like she's about to say something, but in fact, nothing actually really comes out and they kind of clam up and they're just like, all right, I'm going to be quiet again now. I've I've done my business. Uh, eyebrows kind of raise and he just kind of mutters to himself. I'm bothered more than I thought. All right. Uh, I wonder if we can still get room service. I didn't get any of the past hors d'oeuvres at that party. With that, Nihilus walks inside the, the whaler and he looks around for someone working there and he asks them, excuse me, but what time is it? Did we miss dinner? Unfortunately, sir, yes, dinner is already long gone. However, we do always keep some extra for those who are late. And he reaches behind and takes out a few silver trays that you see on a shelf behind him. A couple of them already taken and he hands them your way. Please enjoy your stay. Much appreciated. Neat grabs. And with with that, uh, I would like to check if everybody's okay with a time skip. Unless something urgent is on. Uh, for a couple days, possibly. Oh, great. Also considering heavy rest-ish territory. This is a full heavy rest. And I would say over the next couple days... You could have time to catch up fully. Everybody could know entirely the conversation that happened between Nihilus and his counterpart, if you'd like, and if Nihilus would share. Uh, mm -hmm. Everybody could know everything up to now. We'll say you can catch each other fully up to speed. Again, in any case that something is being held back, just let me know, and we'll make sure it's held back. For the two days time skip, Trevor will be still confined to his his room at the whaler along with dr glass uh, and esper for as long as they decide to pop in and i do think over the next couple days dr glass would write some letters i don't know how long she thinks it takes for a letter to get to and from sovereign seagate especially with the saturation i don't maybe it's not possible actually to get a letter to Sovereign Seagate with the saturation. I believe the reason that we're stuck here is because no ships can go out. Yeah, it would have to be on a ship, right? Mm -hmm. There's so the only there's no telegram, yeah, there's, right? There's no way to get letters out. You could probably assume that. Damn. There's one thing in particular that Nihilus would like to do with this in-between downtime that he has, besides for speaking to everyone. He would like to ritually cast Find Familiar to to make a bird in order to scout out on the edges around town, basically to see if there are ways out. Noted. One moment, I'll take a note of that. Okay, and, and it Esper? Be, hmm? It would be a bat. So at night. Love it. Uh, contrary to Trevor, Esper is going to be walking out during the day, but that's of little consequence. What is going to be noticed is that Esper is going to return with a sizable piece of driftwood that they must have gotten from the beach. And though it's a new type of wood medium for Esper, they are going to attempt to make a carving out of it while we have a few days of downtime for everybody. Noted. Baladin will be visiting Cogsworth once a day while he would spend his night staying in the lobby at the Whaler, keeping up with the newspapers. Okay. Keeping an eye always on the doors. Noted. Noted. And just as a, a general for everybody, 
consider these things noted and done over that period of time. When the weight of the pickaxe feels too heavy, let this tune lighten your burden and remind you why we push forward. Thank you. 
I gotta tell you. It's a beautiful evening here in the city. I don't know how many of you are out and about tonight, but if you are, be sure to tilt your gaze skyward and take in this captivating night sky. The view from atop the citadel almost has me at a loss for words. You know, for all you lovers out there, tonight's the perfect night to lay out under the stars with someone you're sweet on. So pull them in close. Whisper sweet nothings in their ear. And enjoy this next tune.
For every hard-working soul, here's a tune to keep your spirits high and your feet tapping. Remember, we're the backbone of this city. not just my heart, but surely the hearts of many listening tonight. Fellow Crow Perchians, if, if you've got a piece of advice or a story or 
Even just words of comfort for our good friend Leo. Send it our way. And Leo, stay tuned. This vast community might just have the guidance you seek. But before we get to that, it's time for another tune. Take a listen to this piece. I think you'll enjoy it. Two days have gone by. Dr. Glass, you were able to write some letters, but on the way out, delivering them, were notified that none would be sent. Esper, you create your piece of wood art. Trevor, you go on your walks. Everybody's able to accomplish the things they were trying to do. And now, in the flyover, heading towards the first stop where you'll disembark and head towards the place on that piece of paper that Nihilus has that is the compound it's just you in the flyover and you have the noble's carriage thanks to Dr. Glass beautiful little bird cage that overlooks the entire island of Crowperch and Though it's a short ride, it's still a couple hours. Validin, as you're standing, occasionally pacing, you notice your vision start to dim, even flicker a bit. You feel momentarily more sluggish. This isn't the first time that's happened. What would you like to do? Baladin, who always takes to enjoy 
the view of the flyover, even enjoying it even more now, since it would be the first time in a long time since he's in the birdcage, would step away from the group and, oddly enough, go to the restroom. You go to the restroom, open and close the door on the inside. It's small, as it must be in this, you know, heavy contraption. But you look into the mirror, you see yourself. What are you doing there? He would step up towards the mirror with shaking hands as he opens his chassis revealing a mix of cables wires and runes inscribed on each one glowing with a soft blue light and flickering he would remove from his pouch carrying many different things the small device given to him by Cogsworth. A last-ditch effort. An adaptive sunstone battery. He would place it into his machinery. And the lights would glow for a moment. And then dim once more as he begins to shake rattling the sink he is holding on to it takes him quite some time before he can recover his senses his ability to move his chest is still open the rooms growing ever dimmer You do so. This adapted sunstone that Cogsworth has fashioned for you wasn't easy to put together. It it doesn't even serve the full purpose that the original power sources had before. You can tell the power output is diminished. And you feel just a bit more sluggish as you put yourself back together. It was one of the originals, and his chest is sealed once more. He would cover himself with his robe again, as he would step out of the bathroom and rejoin the group. Some time goes by in between the flyover, reaching the destination, and moving on foot across the jagged landscape that is perch up hills and down valleys after about another couple hours of travel you find a not so visible path one that hasn't been worn in yet that seems to lead to the destination you intended and Nihilus as you approach down this path you see a relatively newly constructed wooden gate. A small wall 
not defensible in any way. Maybe just a marking of territory. A compound with log houses. He approaches the compound with a vexingly open mind. He wants to find out more about Eric. How come he's here? So it's quite intrigued by the fact itself that he's not staying inside of Port Hillcrest, where most of the common folk would be. But perhaps he is not common folk, or would there be easy? Would there be any reason to deduct that he could be out here for hiding? That unless someone knows there's this specific place, would be difficult to find, or? Would this location say otherwise? Go ahead and roll insight. Will do. For a total of 13. With a 13, you can tell that this location isn't entirely hidden. There is a path. It's clearly not tucked away in a place that can't be found, but it is tucked away in a place that doesn't interact much with politics and cities and it's a bit separated from society perhaps that's the intention hmm. with that in mind he approaches and perhaps even knocks on the door see if anyone's home the door immediately opens to the gate and a very cheerful young woman opens the door in front of you oh hello you must be Nihilus Greetings, yes I am. Hello, uh, Nihilus von Stonen, Inquisitor at your service. Uh, who are you? Yes, Eirik told me to expect you, and I don't see any many priests come this way. That's... Hmm. I'm glad to see such a warm welcome. Uh, these are my companions, they're traveling with me, I hope that's alright. Of course. By the way, my name is Susan. There's a lot of people here, but you came just at the right time. And she takes uh, from her pouch a small flower necklace and puts it over your neck. We're just about to perform a ceremony. Well, by all means, don't let us intrude. And he happily joins. Thank you, Susan. These smell amazing. She will try to put one on everybody as they walk in. Hi, it's nice to meet you, and you as well. You don't have to keep your helmet on, he says. she says to Valadin. Oh, don't mind me. My skin is sensitive to the light. Of course. And you, she puts one over Trevor. You're a big uh, guy. Yeah, yeah. I get, I get that a lot. Yeah. Um. Should I wipe my feet or something? This seems like a... Like a proper place. No, silly. This is just the wall. And as you look beyond through this little vestibule, uh, there is a number of houses, maybe six, built in a circle around a center fireplace. And you see people gathered around that fireplace. Having a bit of a closer look around at this compound, um, and... and and the average size of the houses that you can see mentioned six. Would it be a rough estimate of how many people would be living here? Well, gathered around the fire, you see 14, including the woman you just met, 15. And you don't see Eirik yet, but you do see one of the cabins is a little larger than the rest. 
as if a head cabin. He must stay there. Gotcha. Trevor's his standard clueless self. Uh, he's kind of adjusting the flower necklace, trying his best not to crush any of the flowers. Uh, then, upon the uh, offering of food, uh, he kind of stops fiddling with the necklace and just kind of gives a bit of a shrug of acceptance uh, and is more or less just, you know, Nyla seems to be the one who knows the most. We might not know much, but if he seems all right with it, then uh, I mean, sure. He looks to be quite comfortable, relaxing. You can sense that there's a friendly manner going around and he like to share in that positivity. As he does wear a bright smile on his face and he just goes around to people and see what's going on. Uh, you look around and you see there's tables with food that look to be for after the ceremony. And in the fireplace, you see people are sitting on the ground, all wearing their flower necklaces. And as if Susan gives Dr. Glass a flower necklace, that's when the perception check would be she wants to see if she notices anything interesting or unusual about Susan's eyes and anything interesting or unusual about the flowers. Go ahead and roll insight. We get flowers. What's wrong with him? <laughs> 15. The flowers are a blend of different types of wildflower you can find. There are some moonflowers, which are relatively rare. One per flower crown. That's something you can note. Moonflowers are used by nobles to spice their tea and used by common folk as a medicinal plant. Uh, she herself seems like a cheery, bright-eyed person. She doesn't seem like she's under any sort of spell, uh, at least at first glance of the 15. She seems genuinely happy that you're here as everybody seems to be at some level of peace and calmness. No sheen of starlight. If I look at her eyes at the right angle. No, just pretty hazelnut eyes. Dr. Glass smiles, and she's she's just watching and taking things in. Titus approaches everyone says, Hello. I'm so sorry for intruding. There's a ritual going on. I wanted to say my hellos to Eirik. Oh, he'll be out in just a moment, one of the men says. Uh, he looks at your crown of flowers and says oh you've got the newcomer flowers <laughs> it appears so although I'm not sure what it is that I'm coming into this is a ceremony of peace we found our little slice of happiness here and we figured we should celebrate we do this once a month you came at the right time sounds like a lovely ritual uh, Happy to spectate while I watch and wait for Eirik? Of course. And with that, Eirik opens the door to the cabin. He's wearing a bright white robe that drags far along the ground behind him. You see a, a deep cut, some necklaces of flowers, multiple going down his chest, his hair braided back, and his hood down because presumably he's at peace here and doesn't have to hide himself and he steps out towards the fire Nihilus 
It's so great that you're here. Thank you for coming. Of course. These are friends of yours. These are my companions. Yes, indeed, they're my friends. Um, this is... Uh, well, they can introduce themselves, honestly. Everyone, this is... Eirik. Uh, oh, I'm an <clears throat> old companion of, of Mr. Von Stonen. We've studied together under the priesthood. Yeah, heard a couple. Isadora, and she puts out her hand. Thank you so much for having us. Of course, and he grabs your hand with both hands and gives a very gentle shake and a smile. Well, well, uh, how how do you do? Uh, heard 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 a bunch about you. Uh, my name is uh, it, it's just it's just Trevor. Uh, Esperanza. Nice to meet you, just Trevor and and Esperanza. You're well, very welcome here, and you're welcome to stay as long as you like. There's no politics, no turmoil. Everybody lives comfortably, and everybody's fed. Don't be shy now. You should introduce yourself as well. And he gets a big nunk on the big metal man. Hmm. Maladin, thank you for receiving us. I sense something of you. You're a very interesting man, Valadin. He smiles, looking you in the eye as if he's looking through your helmet, and then turns away. Yeah, yeah, he's real interesting. You know, he kind of does a little uh, slap on the back of Valden's shoulder. Uh, you know, he's got um, uh, conditions. He's got a skin condition. No sunlight, you know. Isn't that right? Yes. Yes. Must be careful. A skin condition, I... Well, I should fess up. Validin here isn't like the rest of us, is he? And everybody in the around the fire looks toward Eirik for a moment. Uh, they seem to be studying his expressions and his response here. Validin, this is a place of healing and peace, and a place for truth. Would you like to tell me more about your skin condition or something different mm. your friend here Nihilus is very perceptive he must be if you know what lies underneath the helmet then you would know there's best not to remove it we accept everybody as they are everyone why don't we show Valadin here a sign of good faith and he takes off his robe, revealing just his cloth pants and bare chest. And everybody else in the compound does the same. They take off their top layer. Baladin, we are exposed under the light of the Testimonium Veritas. Oh, hold, 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 hold. I mean, listen... Okay, I see what you're what you're getting at, but like, ain't someone allowed to choose who they are? Maybe this is how he wants to be. If you feel that this armor is an extension of you, is a part of you, then I won't pry. But I just sense that that might not be the case. <laughs> no matter. Do we see anything on them when they, like, 
Did they reveal anything besides their chests? Like, do they have injuries and scars? And did that tell us anything? Or they seem healthy. In fact, their skin is flush. Um, some of them are plump. Uh, others fit. Uh, and happy. Yeah, Doctor Glass is definitely giving Trevor a look. Like, I don't know what they think. Trevor is looking at his toes That's right now. Yeah. Mm. Baladin, seeing all of them with this revealing gesture, would look at their armored gauntlet hands as they would glance at Nylans for a moment. And turning back to Irik, which you see is what I am. Beneath this, there's no body to show. I understand. He smiles and nods. Well, let us begin the ceremony. Everybody, please make yourselves comfortable around the fire. He steps over to a soapbox, a crate, and stands on it. We, under your light, are here to serve, to find within our hearts the ability to conquer inward our self-understanding, our peace, our happiness. Susan, would you please? Yes. And she goes over to the table and takes these little cups with liquid in them. They're about the size of a thumb uh, and starts handing them out around the fire. Susan, who is topless? Uh, she has an undergarment, but she did take off her outer layer, the shirt. Nihilus took a moment to remove his long black overcoat and his jacket and simply wearing his... A long-sleeved, abyss-blackened shirt over it. And still he has his holy cross shaped in the green tree. And he joins the circle. And Dr. Glass can't help herself. She mutters to Trevor. Nihilus didn't tell me he was bringing us to an orgy death cult. I, I would have worn more comfortable shoes. Is that what that is? I just thought there was like... I don't know. Just some people moving away from the civilization. What does seem to be in this cup to Dr. Glass's nose and eye? Dear DM. All perception. Uh, Trevor also wants to... Does my poisoner's kit proficiency give me any sort of zhuzh? Uh, you wouldn't be able to take it out and use it. So I would say it's just straight fair, persuasion. Fair. Uh, that's an 18 perception. Okay. Looking at this drink, it smells a little bit flowery, herbal. It has this darker color to it. And it's definitely not just a, a drink like a tea. It seems a bit potion-like. But what exactly it is would be hard to tell. And she says, uh, 
Sorry, Trevor, I doubt they're actually... I doubt this is actually poison, but it's certainly something, and they did immediately strip. Trevor kind of still holding the cup in his hand, uh, hearing Dr. Glass say that, is going to take a look into his cup, kind of give a little swirl and just give it a little sniff. Um, I mean, no matter what he smells, uh, if Dr. Glass says it's probably not poison, he's going to take a little sip. Because everybody else did it, Esper, after a moment of hesitation, too, she's she's going for it. Yeah, Dr. Glass downs it. She she could use a cult orgy. It's been a, it's been a stressful week. <laughs> um, everybody downs this drink. Validin, of course. Uh, I suppose that you would make a show of it, but it's not really much to be affected by. And everybody but Validin for now. You see as Susan steps up to Eirik, she steps near the podium and he puts his hands on her shoulders and putting her his hand on her head, he begins... And, and today, as we stand together under this boundless sky, our hearts beating with unison to the bonds that unite us in fellowship, I give a toast to another month of peace and happiness in our compound as it's been every month since we first formed it. I at the helm will sail us toward a horizon filled with promise. And Susan, we thank you generously for being such a wonderful part of our community. And you see as Susan puts her hands into the air, you see the sun cast down a beam of light directly on her. It illuminates the ground and her whole body as she gently begins to sink peacefully into the grass, into the ground, until her feet, her chest, her head have disappeared into the earth. Where, 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 Is no one going to help her? Where did she go? Susan doesn't need help. She is now the soil that enriches our lives. She is the foundation and the bedrock that we build our society from. I think witnessing that, there's a bit of instinct telling Esper something, but Esper herself is not perceptive enough to quite know exactly what that is in her instincts, so she's looking to Glass, and she's looking to Trevor. She even takes a glance over towards Nidus and then to Valadin. And as you look at Valadin, specifically, Valadin, you see as he puts his hands on her head, you see her hair start to fall out gently 
like petals off of a flower that's wilting. You see her skin begin to wither and shrivel. And you hear her scream, a wretched, bloody scream, as her body begins to peel one strip at a time. Those strips falling to the ground and melting, staining the grass red. You see a display that takes a few minutes until nothing is left. And she has completely disintegrated before your eyes. Esper, you look towards Valadin, and what does she see? Throughout this ordeal, having seen many things in his time, would be quiet as a statue. As inside his instinct to protect bodyguard goes into overdrive. He immediately catches Esper's glance, and you would see him hold up his hand as he would whir his hand around, pointing towards the exit. He would then step towards Trevor and Dr. Glass. How are they looking? Do they seem different? Are they palish? Well, what you can tell is they clearly didn't experience the same thing that you did. The They perhaps look perturbed in a very strange way of having seen some magical uh, display of somebody sinking into the earth. You wouldn't be able to tell what exactly they saw. Uh, Eric, noticing you, smiles in your direction. Now, Valadin... I hope you won't be alarmed. I know you're not like the rest of us, but this is a peaceful ceremony and nobody will be harmed today. In fact, we have another month of happiness in our compound now. Mm, Baladin begins to weigh in on several different options at his hands as he nods towards... Eric. What does Eric do after that? As he keeps his eyes on him. And I think Dr. Glass clocks that. Like, oh, Valden's different than us. Did Valden drink the thing? Like, some, something is different. Like, she, the whole time she was really just watching Nihilus to see what Nihilus thought of what was happening. And now she's, now there's like a triangle thing happening. And she's focused on Valden and, uh, Eric. Everybody, congratulations. We've lived here for so long and we've grown so much. Please enjoy the food and festivities. The fire kind of roars a bit, crackles a bit higher. You can feel like a presence of magic in the air. And everybody starts getting up, smiling as they go towards the buffets and stack their plates up. Esther's uh, going. As everybody. As in the chaos, Baladin will grab on to 
Trevor, Dr. Glass, and hopefully Esper as well. Esper will follow willingly. Do not eat anything. Do not drink anything else. Uh, Something this very disturbing just happened. Get Nihilus. As he's being dragged, um, I, I kind of want to uh, make sure I'm not reading more into this than Trevor would. Like, I, I want to make sure Trevor's acting not like me. Would I be, would Trevor rather be able to make the connection of she has been returned to the earth, uh, meaning she has died? I think in this case, it would be a good to roll something. Uh, let's do intelligence. Nature? Or nature. Yeah, nature would be good too. Your pick. Uh, well, I think nature is the skill and it doesn't really matter. I have a minus two in both. Uh, so let's give it a shot. Uh, that's a 13. You, you of all people know that magic can be unique. And in this case, it's unique. This woman has gently floated into the ground and everybody seems happy about it. So I guess from the perspective of what just happened magically, you could say, I guess others find it to be normal, but you as Trevor can still feel strange about somebody disappearing before your eyes. Mm-hmm. And do we feel, those of us who drank the drink, do we feel different? Like, do we feel warm and fuzzy? Do we do we feel any effects at all? Go ahead and roll insight. 15. You certainly feel a bit warm and fuzzy. Everything seems brighter, more cheerful. When you look at the sky, the colors of the, the sky are, are more blue. The grass is more green. If, if anything, it's like a very potent, fun drug. Is it safe to say that Dr. Glass is aware that that's an effect of what she drank since she's so familiar with drugs and such? She's like, oh, a little bit of a Mm -hmm. pick-me-up. Nihilus being in in the circle with the rest of the the followers then, as everyone got up and started the feast, he would um, clamp down his hands together and start a small prayer for as everyone started. Simote it be the sacred space with hands entwined in truth's embrace. May our words be honest, our hearts laid bare to the God of truth, our say solemn prayer. And with that, he casts Detect Magic. You sense that you are under a magical effect. As you cast Detect Magic, you note that everything around you seems to be glowing. It's a type of glow that doesn't trigger a this is magic, but I'm perceiving this magically. Um, you also sense the hands of Eirik are glowing heavily as if they've just performed a very strange and strong type of magic, and you sense the school as necromancy. Nihilus' mind is 
ritual. It's not something he has ever seen before. He's not familiar with, although there have been adaptations in the past. It's sacrificial something once a month that is not what Saurus Testimonian teaches in Cairnstone at all. Not even close. But there is a truth and openness, a bareness to it. So with that necrotic as well, he wants to take a look around if there are specific schools of magic which steer away from Saurus's testimonium. Of course, illusionary goes against being open and truthfulness. They do use it for last resort in defense, but it's not something that would easily be used. And same for enthrallment or necrotic. It just They would usually have wrong purposes filed to it. So seeing the necrotic immediately is a big red flag for him and he has to, wants to have a look around as well towards the houses and the buildings if he sees anything of those particular schools of magic the houses the buildings the food the tables all seems normal um though you can determine that whatever you drank is also a school of illusory magic but that he clocks at the rest of the party starting to group up a bit and he does partake in the the rest of the feast he Tries to let everyone around him be comfortable to his presence. Uh, and Valadin, uh, as you see, as you're the one trying to uh, intervene and get some folks out of there, uh, Trevor, when Eirik first finishes his, his grand speech and like, all right, everyone have fun, kids. Um, Trevor kind of instinctively makes a move towards engaging with the festivities and then as soon as you start to uh, impose yourself and uh, bring him away from that it, it it's kind of like a uh, like a kid being rushed through the airport you know when you're a parent and you're just like no this way this way come on quick he's just like kind of a balloon on a string right now like he'll go wherever you're taking him as someone who's experienced in being a bodyguard, you would get a sense of familiarity, having done such in your past, that the urgence that you're being guided with and the way Baladin is keeping an eye on the other participants, you could tell that Baladin is on red alert he will try to move the group to nearly exit some part of the banquet away from the rest as he does so he would speak to you three I assume Nihilus coming up behind us Nihilus nope. would actively not he does see everyone and if you were to look at him there would be a glance of curiosity and interest that appear on his face but he would actively sit even though he would cl clock everyone else leaving and he nods that it's okay but he actively sits and Dr. Glass is gonna fall off the group like at first she goes with you and then as she realizes you're headed towards the exit and away from Nihilus she sort of lingers and you maybe realize you're down to two Trevor Esper what did you see just now she she just she she just sort of sank down. I, that's it. She sank down, and then he he helped her go away. But it's it's 
it's very strange. Because there's something in the drink. There's something in the drink. I need you to act normal and not react impulsively. There was definitely something in the drink. I watched that woman decompose. I assume through magic. And being spared from the fact that I can't drink. We need to get as a group out now. The doctor seemed to be on the mark with the death cult orgy. Although this is more death than orgy. Uh, okay. Uh, do we do we tell her? If we gotta go, we should go together, right? I, I don't. I don't think <clears throat> we can leave Nihilus or, or Doctor Glass here. No, we shouldn't. Grav Doctor Glass, Esper, Grav Nihilus. I will stand by the exit, and hopefully, no one is blocking our way out. I suspect that they might be suspicious of me. They seem to know what I am. And as that conversation is happening, Dr. Glass is kind of standing around as though she's just like taking in the, the lovely day. And when she's close enough to Nihilus to do so, she speaks into his mind and says, with a little bit of the drug-induced cheer still in her voice, Hell of a show, Nihilus. Have you seen something like that before? You don't seem too surprised. Uh, you would hear back in the mind as well. First of all, it starts, he needs to address, he needs to look at you, and he's trying to mumble with his mouth, and a little bit over time, it <laughs> fumbles into the mind. <laughs> Tip of the tongue. Um, this is not a ritual I've ever seen or heard before. It is of necrotic nature as well. And... These potions, whatever we drank, out of the ordinary in specialty. But I need answers before I can leave. I know this might be uncomfortable. I'm not sure what Eric mentioned before versus Valadin, but I need answers before I leave. I'd like them as well. And you can now literally tell... Yeah, you can now literally tell as well while he's eating and partaking, trying to make conversation while there's someone in his head as well. He does not look at the most comfortable. But he's trying to make a, a smile out of it anyway. I'd like answers as well. I hope you'll be careful, Nihilus. Aren't I always? No, but that's all right. I don't think he brought you here to do you harm. He needs new recruits since he loses a member each month, but if you tread carefully, I think you might be fine. But you saw how he immediately fixed upon poor Valadin. Yes. Let's try to do what we can to get answers here and move forward. That drink was good, though. See if you can get a bottle to bring back with us. 
Could I ask, um, is there anything about the way that this drink has made Esper feel that feels familiar to her? Roll history with advantage. And while this is happening, now that the food is mostly gone, there's not much left, just a few scraps on every plate, you hear Eric. All right, uh, Penny, you can now partake as well. And one of the cabin doors open, and a woman who is only wearing her undergarments and nothing else Although clean and well-kept, she seems to be separated from the group as she steps in towards the center and takes what small scraps remain onto a plate and goes back into the cabin. What does she look like? Is she young, old? She seems of she look healthy? Of early middle age. She seems healthy, um, but sad as she walks out. Everybody noticeably looks away from her the entire group as she walks across the field towards the tables and back as she went back inside the cabin Lilas just asked the the closest person to um what was that about did she do something wrong you're referring to Eric here no he's just talking to any of the other persons close by that are participating just in the mix just uh, casually asking oh, what was that about did she do anything wrong Penny took her rations out of place and so Eric found it important to remind her that she needs to be with the group so for now she's in the isolation house. I see. This place looks quite rich in nature and provisions. Are you short-stocked on rations? Penny will get everything that she needs. Nobody goes hungry here. But she's last to eat because she was selfish. We don't like that here see. Could I sense with the way how he's speaking that he's doing so in f- with a hint, a hint of fear? You could roll inside. I would love to. Total of 11. No, in fact, you notice that he speaks with a condemnation on Penny's actions. He almost seems to with the group condemn that she went astray and and betrayed the trust of the group before I do anything uh, did we resolve that history check that Esper made uh, yes uh, what was that roll that was a five not that you can remember although you have tried a, a lot of different things this was not one of them is it reasonable, though, for me to at least infer this was not just alcohol? That this no, was certainly. a drug? Okay. You, I would say everybody kind of gets the sense that they are not in their normal resting state mentally. Mm-hmm. Everything is brighter, cheerier. And I would say you might not be quick to condemn that feeling, 
but you certainly can notice it. I think Esper condemns that feeling, and to anybody who crosses their eye line with Esper is going to notice that through the slight dilation of the pupils, she's frantically looking around, mostly towards Dr. Glass, and there is clear fear in her eyes. Dr. Glass looks super chill. Uh. Uh, I don't think that Trevor is introspective enough to truly understand that something is wrong. I think he feels like he's been drugged, but I don't know if he realizes that he feels he's been drugged, if that makes any sense. Uh, he's just kind of riding the wave. Um, I think as uh, Valadin kind of like sends Trevor up to get Glass and Nihilus, like, it's 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 a huge crowd of people, right? Yeah, about 14, 15 total. Yeah. It, with, with how he's feeling... Uh, as he's trying to search, does he see, uh, who was he? Uh, I, I, Iric Halverson. You see him. He's sitting near the fire with about four other people just sitting in a circle. As he's kind of passing by, uh, Iric, he just kind of like mumbles like, did you, did you put something in the drink? Yes, of course. I, I didn't want to startle anybody. It's a part of the ceremony, and it's totally harmless. In fact, you should feel great right now. The It'll dissipate soon. Perhaps minutes, even. Uh, okay. Uh, I, I don't feel too bad. I'm just... It's weird. Um, I gotta go talk to... Uh, I gotta go see, uh, doctor. Hold on. Let me go with you. And he stands okay. and puts his arm around your shoulder as he walks towards Dr. Glass. At this point, Nihilus would notice that and follow as well as he, while walking, starts to unbutton part of his shirt as he's getting a bit hot. Seeing that the party's moving was Iric, Baladin would move around behind the cabins and try to reach that the isolation house. Okay. You go around the cabin as Eirik makes his way over towards Dr. Glass. I hope you enjoyed the ceremony. Thank you for coming. Yes. So lovely. What a, so intriguing. And this is a hell of a drink, if you don't mind my saying. Oh, yes. We extract it from the local fauna. Uh, pardon my professional curiosity. I happen to be a doctor, uh, and I often deal with, uh, insomnia and things like that. Do you know that this has effect on uh, dreams? Will this, give, will this give us strange dreams tonight? I've been told that if you take it before going to sleep, you will have a unique dreams, more symbolic. I haven't done it myself. I just partake during the day. It's not for everybody. Do you dream often? If you don't mind my asking. I wouldn't say that I dream like everybody else does, but sometimes I do see things. It seems to be more rooted in another place. I discovered 
and he smiles very strongly, bearing all of his teeth, his eyes, everything just lights up. That... I am among the Vox Deus Veritas. I'm enlightened. I can speak to him. To him? Usaurus, Nyla says, who was standing next to, the, next to him oh, at this yes. point. Lazarus himself. I forgot that there was a gendered entity. How do you, how do you speak to him? That's fascinating. Uh, Nyla had, had said that you were enlightened, but I... I'm not well-versed in the faith. And I'm fascinated. Well, I... When I lay my head down to rest, most of the times it's just empty and dark. But sometimes I see things that are of another time, another place. It's like I'm being chosen. I've seen how to create the compound for this ceremony. I've seen how to protect our flock. I am graciously the servant of everybody here because it's this one of the few places on this island that people are happy. And Lazarus whispers to you, sort of under the fabric of your mind... You could say so. And I can tell that that fellow at the party, he he must have a connection as well. I could hear his thoughts in my mind. Really? You just overheard or he spoke to you? I believe I overheard. It didn't seem like he was speaking to me. It's when I close my eyes, I can reach out and he closes his eyes in front of you oh and is there sort of a verbal component like does it appear to me that he's casting detect thoughts whether or not he's re he realizes he's doing that as someone who can cast it as well ah roll arcana with advantage just uh, while you're rolling that uh, just in his suggestible state, uh, as uh, Eirik is describing his methods, uh, as soon as he starts to close his eyes, uh, Trevor just kind of instinctively puts his uh, palms around his ears. Uh, if he's indicating that he wants to talk to people in his head, he, Trevor, in his kind of not regressed state, but just kind of like altered is not wanting to have any flashbacks in this in this state of mind and does not want to be talked to in his head. And also to note that Esper is not with the group at all right now. Upon realizing that they were drugged, they are trying to find a quiet enough corner where they can still keep an eye on the group, but they are trying to also be separate from people. That was an 18 arcana, and reminder that for Dr. Glass, at least, detect thoughts is requires verbal, somatic, and material components. He closes his eyes and begins muttering under his breath. 
you can tell that whatever he's saying, it bears a striking similarity to detect thoughts. And that's it. You you would gauge that this is a detect thought spell. And she's just uh, very consciously thinking, what an interesting man. What a lovely party. I'm so glad Nihilus brought me here. He's such a nice boy. And just very consciously thinking anodyne thoughts. And as he opens his eyes, he begins there's something strange no bother I I sense something a lot like Lord Felix Royce a presence but perhaps it's just the exhaustion from the party getting to me uh Doctor. Perhaps Nihilus is enlightened. He's very he's very scholarly and holy, but I don't know much about it. Uh, do you know Lord Royce personally? No. I was at the party because I wanted to introduce myself to him. I failed to do so. So it was quite an event. Was there anything in particular you wanted to discuss with, to discuss with the man? Yes. If he too is enlightened, then we should meet so I can show him my compound and we can speak to Saurus together. I must say, Eirik, after not seeing you for such a long time, I would have not have guessed that this is what you were up to. How long have you worked on this compound here, your sanctuary? It's been about a year and a half now. We started with just five others. We've grown since then. You know, I've met Lord Royce a handful of times. I don't get the sense that he is religious. What if he weren't interested in speaking to Lazarus with you? He came here and said no thanks. Oh, that's not possible. Those who are enlightened can hear directly from Soros, and I know in my heart of hearts that he would listen if told where this voice comes from. Doctor, uh, I just remembered I, I, I needed to talk to you. Um, Valen says we gotta go. We need to leave. Leave so soon? But that, you've only just gotten here. That's what Valden said, though. There's no rush, is there? Trevor, let's let's go talk to him and see what he meant, shall we? Thank you so much. Uh, we'll, I'll be right back, I'm sure. This is such a fascinating conversation. So, Eirik, a year and a half ago, last time I saw you, I must have been six, seven, eight years back. Was a mere priest and an inquisitor now. What happened between all that time? You never gave word of your whereabouts, of your actions, of, of anything. You were declared dead by the church. I saw the light, Nihilus. He goes over to his belt and he takes that 
old version of the testimonium and shows it to you. Inside, though the verses are still the same, his interpretation as he fans through it seems to be odd, to say the least. His scribblings in there seem just a little bit chaotic, mad, might say, but everybody takes notes in their own way. I've seen that everything we were brought up on was a lie. The religion doesn't expect you to go and search for this book through conquest and expansion. It's to turn inward, to listen. And it's only when I started listening that I noticed who I was. That's what I'm starting to discover as well, but... I feel like there's more going on, is there not? Why would there be such purpose towards dedication of conquest and exploration? Is it all just a false excuse? No, no. We're building something here, something great. And one day we're going to bring it to the masses. But we need to rediscover Saurus in the testimonium and why, why it exists. Not the lies we were told. Nihilus, let me show you something beautiful. Would you come to my cabin? And he tries to grab your hand gently and point in the direction of his cabin. He follows. In the meantime, as you head towards the cabin, Validin, as you approach this other smaller structure... From the back, there's only one entrance in the front. There's a small window on each side. The back is just wood, but you can hear on the inside. And you hear a singing. Baladin would move towards one of the side windows, ideally the one that is farther away from everyone, and would gently tap the glass. Oh! And she stands and walks towards the window and opens it. Hello. Hello. Please do not be alarmed. Can you tell me what exactly is going on here? Yes. I... I took extra rations when I wasn't supposed to. And I'm in the isolation house now. But I won't be here long. It's only until I've learned my lesson. I see. How old are you? I... I think I'm... 17? Hmm. Do you like games? Like playing tag and hide and seek? I love games. I'm not allowed to play them while I'm in here, but when I'm out, I'm going to rejoin and play them with everybody. Hmm. You want to... Play a special game with Eirik. You'll have to be very still and very quiet. I don't know. Eirik doesn't play games. He lets all of us play games, though. It's an exception on my end. He says I'm quite special. Deception. Eight. No. Nobody's special here. We're all one. We're all equally as special. 
Nobody is more special. He wouldn't have said that to you. Oh, I see. I must have been mistaken. Pardon for interrupting your song. It's okay. And she recedes back down beneath the window, sitting on the floor in this dark room. There's no furniture in there. Nihilus, you get to the door of the cabin, and he continues, This is where I've been staying, Nihilus. He opens the door and steps inside. Um, Nihilus, hmm. you, as you step inside, you see this cabin is also scarcely decorated. And there is a staircase heading down to what seems to be a basement here. Likely the only one that has one. He says, Nihilus, I've been working on this. It's my magnum opus. It's my best creation. And once it's complete, we can spread the teachings of the testimonium to everyone on this island. And maybe with enough influence, we can bring it back to the testimonium veritas of Kirinstone. Show them the error of their ways. Show them that their path is manipulated. We could help so many, but if we truly got them, the Magnus Op Opia? I've never heard of this before. What is it? <laughs> Magnum Opus. It's just an expression. It means my greatest creation. My my best that I am capable and I will ever be able to make question is his detect magic still on the, the, the 10 minutes it could be and here in this cabin you notice nothing else magical even in the basement yeah. as you look down then with that he lets go of the concentration and with an eager face he follows him downstairs you get down to a door and as he opens it it's unlike anything you've seen before, Nihilus. You step into a room that is dark. The floor has these white pieces of, of texture built into it. It's not completely flat. It's almost jagged a bit. It's hard to see. And as he takes a small firelight and lights a torch it illuminates it the walls the floors and the ceiling all white like a porcelain or clay that's been over hardened in a kiln all the way on the other side the Testimonium Veritas, a new version, likely a recopy of the old book that he has by his waist, the same one you found together. Though you notice the walls, the floors, and the ceilings are all made of bone, it must have been hundreds if not thousands of people that have gone into this artistic creation. And the chandelier 
in the center is the only piece that isn't starkly white. And now that this potion has largely worn off for everybody, you see a new skull adorns the center of this chandelier. It's still wet. Nihilus is steadily focused on trying to ease his breathing. He is absolutely terrified and shocked by the sight of this, by the realization of what he's actually looking at as it kicks in. But he's tr- he needs answers before he can vouch himself off with his innerly disgusted opinion that he has over Eirik right now. But he's trying to calm down his breathing and as he gulps down, he says, This must have taken ages. What is the direct purpose of it? What is it for? And he looks towards the testimony in Veritas, that is in the center of the room. It did take ages. Thank you for noticing, Nihilus. All of these are pieces of a greater purpose. Godliness among those who can speak to Saurus is achieved through worship. And all of these are worshippers at my temple, all willing all happy to be here all followers of Saurus I've never seen such utter devotion before have you showed this to others I was going to show Lord Felix Royce I thought that he should know how devout I am I see. This, based on the amount of it, you must have started all the way back when you arrived on the island. And he starts counting in his head as well. One month, two months, okay, one year, 12 months, 12 people, two years, 24 people. And he starts counting back six, eight years. Do the math, people. Nihilus, we can do great things together here on the island. We can turn another enlightened to the temple. We can create something divine, amazing, and beautiful. And that testimonium veritas, the one sitting oh so pristine and delicately right there. Why did you get that one? I recognized the one you showed me earlier. That one was yours, was it not? I spoke to Saurus, and with his guidance, and with guidance from the original that we found, I've created a new true Veritas, a new testimonium. This is the testimonium Veritas renewed. Would... 
Would I be allowed? He asks profoundly in his best manners. Of course. Come. And he smiles as he grabs your hand and walks across the floor of bone. He does his best to squint his eyes and close his ears with every step on bones he does. He gets to the book and he opens the cover to the first page and you see in a dried burgundy color a complete recopying of the Testimonium Veritas. He takes moments to reel it in while keeping Eirik in eyesight and he starts to read, tries to understand. He feels like he's limited on time so he tries to get as much in as he can. But somehow, someway, he feels like there's unseen tension in this room, which is a lot right now. He feels like his entire body is stiffened on the the gaze of Eirik upon him. It's, it's like his mind shell is starting to crack from his true intentions of disgust, trying to pierce through, and he's trying to do his best to give an innocent and griefful performance while every instinct in his body is saying, run. Do something about this. Fight. And he tries to read. The teachings in this book profess... And actually, roll a religion check as well in the meantime. But the teachings in this book profess unity and sacrifice. All of those things that were present in that first book you found. If anything... The only beautiful thing in this room, I suspect, to Nihilus, is going to be a more holistic copy. One that is devoid of political ideology, of expansionist ideal. It is a book of selflessness. He has created something that is devoid of evil in a room that is filled with it. Snilus does his best to calm himself but he places his hand on his chest and casts guidance and he pulls out his uh, Inquisitor's magnifying lens to truly inspect every detail of this. Uh, he rolls for a total of 17. With a 17. And he really tries to understand which parts have been left out and which parts have been connected in. Like one is watching the news and you're not trying to listen to the news, but you're trying to see what is it that they want to tell you or what is it that they don't want to tell you. And that is with a clear open picture in the mind is what he, how he tries to read it to the best of his abilities. 17. The teachings in this book profess a level of goodness, though fanning through it, you notice you go back to the first page and there is a section that wasn't there before. It's in the same ancient language and you know in this moment that it would take you time to decipher, but it presents like a ritual. The translation for the word ascension repeats multiple time in this ritual. 
this this part right here is that the enlightenment that you were referring to why you would request for Lord Felix yes yes this will create a new enlightened you Nihilus could be enlightened anyone who follows the teachings of the testimonium can be closer to God he really tries to understand when he says enlightened if he means to become like Eirik himself or something else entirely Nihilus you have to understand Hmm. being able to speak to Saurus is a gift that shouldn't be squandered or hidden away Mm-hmm. This will let anyone speak to Saurus. This is It's why I need to consult with Lord Felix Royce. Because he, I can't alone make a decision to present this to the world. You would share this to... with the masses. Yes. Show everyone how they could understand Saurus. Yes. He starts to tear up in front of you. Everyone could understand Saurus. He has a smile on his face, and it's those are true words that I hold dear. It's the whole point of our teachings, our religion, the church, what it's founded upon to share. Although he does have a look around the room as he says, but is it supposed to be at such great cost? He drags his finger along the text of this ritual all the way through every single letter until he gets to the end and the wetness of the skull at the chandelier in this room seems to mystify into a little stream in the air as it swirls over the book and it imparts what looks to be the last letter of the ritual and it's complete what what else would you require what would you need so you can enlighten me I simply require in order to give the gift of connection I I believe if I understand this correctly I've been studying it for a long time I need to take from someone else to be able to speak with Saurus, another must give their own sacrifice. I see. So that is why you've been, he gulps down, preparing for such a long time so you can share with so many people at once. Nihilus, it's no coincidence that you come here now. The last ritual, the last letter... You need to be enlightened. It's Saurus's will. And anybody in this compound would be willing, graciously, to give themselves to your enlightenment as a inquisitor. A student. Under the testimonium. How did you speak to those people to convince them to sacrifice themselves so devotedly? Saurus's original dexterous and speaks nothing about sacrificial lambs 
it's it's a small price to pay for happiness here. Anyway, I think I think you've seen everything you need to for now. Of course, nice. could I? Yes. Think think over it. Can I sleep over it? Of course. I've prepared a cabin. I knew of your arrival. I wasn't expecting your friends, but they're welcome all the same. I appreciate that. And everything you've showed me being open and truthful, this is what's important in Saurus's testimony. The first enlightenment happens tomorrow. We're going to try it on one of our followers. I hope it can be you. I see. I will get an answer to you by first light. Of course. He smiles. And he gestures for Eirik to lead the way. The moment he turns around, it's a face of dread. He's doing his best to hold his composure. Eirik stands and stares at the book for a while so you can make your way out on your own accord. He does so. And as you step out, revealing yourself back to the world, Valadin, you see as Nihilus approaches back up the stairs and Trevor Esper and Dr. Glass, you two see Nihilus come from this house. Pale face. I need to calm down for a second because Dr. Glass didn't hear any of that. Uh, Esper's going to immediately sort of catch his eye because whether the drugs were still on or not, their eyes were just all over the place trying to keep track. So in the moment Nihilus pops up, at first there was relief washing over Esper, and then the pallor of his face has her tilt her head a bit and then slowly make a motion of, come here. And Dr. Glass actually, as, as the drug wears off, has herself been look. she's looking grim-faced, almost a little sickly herself, nothing like Nihilus as the full effect, the reality of her conversation with Eric is hitting her. And she, if she could flee, she were better at running. She would be moving much faster than she is, but she's relieved to see everyone all at once. We should, we should go. I think Validin was right. It's worse than that. We can't leave. What? Nihilus tries to gather the party a bit by hand gestures and says aloud, Eirik has prepared a cabin for us. I think we should spend the night here. Fuck that. I'm not sure I like that. No. I would love to speak to everyone about Soros' teachings that are going on around here, he tries to say with a smile. I believe you won't will, but... Maladin would take a quick look around to see if there are any eyes on them as he would lower his head towards Nihilus. You were drugged, and a girl was decomposed with magic. Are these the teachings of your god, Soros? He, he mouths, he doesn't say aloud, but he mouths. You're close by, you should be able to read his lips a bit, and he says, These are not the teachings of Soros. Then you know that these people are in danger. Yes, and we can't leave them here. The greatest danger is down there below. 
not believe what I saw. What, what are you want? talking about? What? You would not believe what I saw, even if I told you. Save it for now. We will accept the offer to stay. We understand if you don't. I will stay. If you will stay, I will wake you up in the middle of the night. We take out the leader. Are you? He'll turn to Nihilus. Prepare to do that. There's troubled look on his face. You can see sadness. Almost a tear. You don't know if that's from whatever he just saw with a pale face and the stress of the emotion or just the decision itself. And then as the tear starts to build up, he nods yes. Don't consider it a human. I have never seen a troll or other magical creature, but I have slain many monsters that look a lot like you and that person's. They're not human. Of course he's a human. Don't say that. He's just mad. At this point, at this point, having walked inside the cabin that was pointed out. It's unfortunate. It doesn't change what has to be done. I just don't want to hear that we're not human. No offense to those who aren't, Validin. You assume that because someone does monstrous things, that they must be monsters. I can understand that. You, pointing over at Dr. Glass, assume that treachery is some malady. Sometimes, Doctor, the choice to lord power over people, to control them, is an informed one. We are not saying that he is less than human. We are saying that his inhumanity needs to be stopped. Nihilus, um, inviting everyone inside the cabin, if we close the door, he would share in details what he saw down there. The amount of people he can calculate that have died so far, and the holy, renewed testimonium veritas that he has held his hands in, and the ritual that Eirik proposed to him. Could, do you think it would be as simple as getting that other book and destroying it. Getting it? And showing the other followers over here Do you, what is happening. But everybody everybody seems so happy to be here. Having spoken with them, I don't think you'll do a great job of convincing them to stray away. I do not think they're being controlled as they were all taking the same drink you all. I assume you all saw something different. I saw a person getting easily sacrificed into the floor, and I, afterwards I saw freshly wet bones on the ground. I saw her peel away and her meat grinded. 
She decomposed in front of my eyes. The potions were made out of illusion. Looks like he's feeding this to everyone to ease transaction of sacrifice. So he thinks that if he ritually sacrifices just any any random person and he puts what, their soul into you, Nihilus, that turns you into someone like me? They bridge somewhat. I didn't, I wasn't able to read the textures of the ritual in spare detail. I was limited on time, but in short, yes, it, it would mean you sacrifice one person to allow a bridge to be built between Saurus and that person being enlightened to hear that voice. I see. So to him, it's not about combining you with the sacrificial person. It's just the... No, it's merely... The tear or the bridge, it's ritual. I'm sorry, I just keep... My aunt... My aunt always compared us to... You know, she said we were... Like... The night jars, the birds that carried souls. But... I I just have no idea if he is it is it remotely possible that that this ritual would work I, do you do you know Nihilus if this is truly coming from some place I know the he says he got the the recipe for that potion from Saurus from his, what I call what I would call his whisper self and that clearly worked but I don't know if that was just a delusion you know <laughs> I know the, the strength the vigilance, the intelligence, the proficiency even it requires to even become an inquisitor I know that he was a devout man I know what he is capable of with true dedication, time and resources this is a man who has spent over Half a dozen years devoted to this particular ritual. I believe that if he says that he can do it, he truly believes that he is capable of doing so, and that frightens me even more so. But even if it gives you godly powers, it is not worth the sacrifices. No, no, of course, that's not... We're all agreed that it's horrible and he must be stopped I just I know this isn't of interest to any of the rest of you but if I just can't tell I can't stop thinking about the possibility that he knows something about what I am and where I came from I'm not very sure how on the same page these two things are but you keep mentioning now something about what you are, and some void? What? What is this void? I think she would just look at everyone first and go, apologies, I lose track of what I've told to whom or what words come out of my mouth and make sense and what don't. Perhaps you've heard talk 
these days about void magic. Uh, it's being explored a great deal, especially on Crow Perch. Uh, and, well, as far as I've said, you always ask just the right questions. Uh, what is the void? We know that it is above us, perhaps beyond us. It seems to be a dark emptiness, hence the name, that from which we can draw power, and we know very little about it. My late mentor, Abelard Cook, who was like me in ways I'll come back to, he had many specific theories about the void. He was a brilliant, strange man. Uh, sort of, he ran a commune, sort of the flip side of where we are now. I think he would have liked it very much, Nihilus, because it truly was about finding and sharing knowledge. Uh, the Circle of Whispers, you probably heard me mention. Once or twice. It's funny, it strikes me that with all your faith uses terms about light. We use terms about sound. And yet I wonder if this whole time we've been talking about the same thing. Your divinity and my void. Uh, there are people like me who are born being able to hear in a buried part of their mind. Is that how you do the telepathy thing? I always thought that was a skill you learned or picked up somewhere. No, I was born being able to do that, though I I repressed that skill for many, many years. Uh, my aunt lived with us when I was a girl, and she went from being the eccentric aunt to the mad aunt. She and I spoke to each other in our minds that way, and she told me fanciful stories about the darkness in the sky and birds that carried souls, and those stories got darker and turned to advice about walling yourself off before someone else could do it to you. And then she was taken away. And I never saw her again. And I never used that power again. And I convinced myself that I had made it up. This has been quite difficult. Uh, thank you, Nihilus. Yes, it wasn't until only a few years ago that I had a patient who was like that as well and recognized me somehow and told me about Abelard and the Circle of Whispers and spoke to me in my mind that way. And then he disappeared. Uh, something happened to him and even his own family acted like almost as though he'd never existed. And I began to realize that there are people who know about the Void's effect on people, that there are special individuals 
and they don't want it widely known and they want us for some reason to disappear and that's why I led my many decade career in Glaive's Watch and ran off to the mountains with a lot of peace and love and learning about a magical force that I still can't properly explain to you, Esper. Abelard believed that there was something that was particularly strong in certain spots, the consonance points. Uh, again, he used a lot of sound terms. Consonances like harmony, lots of sounds at once, because he believes we're all connected, the nexus bound. That's what he calls us, the nexus. And she makes like a web motion with her fingers. That's why we can talk to each other in our minds. You think that there are people here like this man who knows Nihilus that can sense it in you? I'm, I'm not really able to sense it, but I know that others can. That's my patient sensed it in me. I am not as in tune with that as I, but I know that our kind, we don't dream. I've never had a proper dream in my life. So I asked Eirik about that and he has telepathic abilities like I do. And he's spoke of having recognized Felix as one of us. Nihilus, the moment you told me that Eirik thought Felix was enlightened, I I was almost completely sure that that's what was going on, because Felix is a very powerful night jar. So you're hinting at the theory that there's a possibility between your nexus-bound born-like identity is correctly intertwined with enlightened Saurus's followers. I think that exactly the same thing. That there's they're just a different name for the same phenomenon. That just as I spent decades not knowing what I was, your friend likely didn't know it either. And coming to Crowperch, which is one of the which Abelard thought was one of the strongest consonance points would certainly make sense for him coming to that realization about himself. It, he didn't have a mentor like I did to explain it to him. I'm not saying that I think the book is wrong, you know, just that perhaps they're the same discovery from different angles. But Felix told me there's something in the void and that it is vile. Nexus bound is directly bounded towards the void itself? That's what I've always been told. Well, either way, whether he truly is nexus bound and enlightened and whatnot, I would love to get more answers on this truthfully, but either way, our situation, our reality at hand still says the same. And he looks towards everyone else in the party. I really do not wish to kill. I, I wish we can find a solution to go around that. I think we could have a possibility if I want to take that step, that action, towards disrupting this place, this compound, this necrotic being here. And I want to stop 
people needlessly having to die every month. It's so hard to save people who don't want to be saved, Nihilus. I... I agree with you wholeheartedly, but... I, I think we need to make sure that we don't let those people be harmed, yes, but do they need to have it explained to them when they're so happy like this? I don't know if that's part of what we have to do right now. I, You say that this book has this... The, the thing that makes the stuff happen. So if we mm. just try to damage the book... I think that's what we need to try to do. He would that's, just start a new then. But that's the start of us stopping his plans. We can worry about how everybody else reacts to that after, as long as we can make sure that he can't do what he wants to do right now. I, I, I'm trying to wrap my head around this, but if we do get that book and we do wreck it I mean that might be step one but I mean I seen you with that book you got Nihilus it's the closest thing I, I don't think I mean you can attest to it but you keep that thing like a like a friend you know um now you destroy the book of someone who's so devout that they don't care who they hurt. What's going to happen then? I mean, sure, we could destroy the book and that's step one. But step two, if he finds out, is inevitably going to be him coming after us. So we are taught as inquisitors, you are to protect Testimonium Veritas with your very life. Yes, he would go after us with full intent of harming us and he keeps another book close at hand which I think he uses for spells uh, now I understand that you don't want him dead I, I can understand you with that right but if that happens if he goes wild on us if he wants us dead and it's me or him or it's you or him, or it's anyone of us and or him, I, I'm not going to hesitate. I just hope you know that. I do, Trevor, and I thank you for bringing it up. I realize that. And I do agree. I don't think we should give our lives for this cause. Not at all. This is why I'm thinking if we show the truth to everyone else in this compound if we are able to make them realize perhaps they would turn on him and he cannot even if he wishes to fight everyone he simply could not he'll be overwhelmed and I know it's a slim chance but it's a way of how I can see I know perhaps I'm just a bit optimistic but that's a way of how I can see that no one has to die <laughs> that's all I want really you might consider, though, Nihilus, that if you turn all of those people against him, you can't control how they will react. And I don't think we can stop a whole crowd from killing him. 
if what you said was true and they ain't following Lazarus, then it's, I mean, uh, ergo, like, you know, these people don't have Lazarus as their god. They have Irik as their god. And what happens when you kill their god? There is a knock at the door of the cabin. Uh, hello. Yes. Come in, please. The door opens and you see Irik. Oh, uh, sorry to disturb you, Nihilus, so late. I was laying in bed and I had a revelation. He wants me to perform the ceremony now. And as you look past him, you see everybody else in the camp has already been roused at night, all standing around the central fireplace holding torches. Now, I need I need to enlighten somebody. Though I want it to be you, Nihilus. It can be one of my congregation as well. No, of course not. You're saying... What you were saying is true. Me coming here, this moment would be opportune. This, and he looks towards the rest of the party. It should be me. Irik, if Lord Royce were here, would that change things at all? Yes, I wanted his, well, consultation before I did this from another like myself, somebody who has a similar gift. She speaks into his mind and says, might my consultation be of any use? You see his expression change to that of wonder and amazement. A smile comes upon his face. You, you too are enlightened. We need to speak immediately. Come to my cabin. And she gives the others, particularly Nihilus and Trevor, sort of a miserable look. Like, I'm sorry, I really didn't want to do that. Uh, yeah, yes, of course. Uh, Trevor, Nihilus, would you accompany me? And then into... Uh, Esper and Valadin's minds. She says, do what you need to do, whatever you're able to do. Hopefully this will draw the crowd away at least. Nihilus follows. Yeah, sure. Uh, can do. Gets up and motions to move with her. And the last thing she says into Esper and Valadin's mind, Specifically Esper. She says to Esper, I trust you, Esperanza. Trust your own judgment. Esper's not replying one way or the other, but you see very micro nods of her head. Very small motions of acknowledgement. And then into Nihilus's mind, she says again, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, Nihilus, I don't know if this was right. We just wanted to buy us time, at least. You can see... If you look at him facially, he recognizes and responds with a nod that you're speaking to him, but you can see that on his face as well. He is thinking. He is just trying to think of out a, a way out of this. Just, just, just not an answer on his face. As he follows, every step feels like 10 minutes. 
You follow behind and you see his back as he walks briskly across the the grounds. Everybody around the campfire is silent, standing almost in a perfect circle holding torches. And you, along with Dr. Glass and Trevor, make your way to his cabin. He opens the door and on the inside you see the light already on to the basement. He frantically walks down the stairs and opens the door, revealing the room to you, Trevor, Dr. Glass, and Nihilus. Her heart is pounding. Like, this is just... He represents everything she's afraid of about herself. Apologies that I didn't introduce myself properly before. I've had bad experiences out in the world... People don't always accept our gifts. Of course, and as an enlightened, you're entitled to to preserve the secrecy of your position. You... He goes over and, like, grabs your shoulders almost frantically. You are uh, so special. How did you discover your enlightened status? Was it only once you came to Crowperch? I came to Crowperch, and like any other, I settled in. It wasn't until I was staying at the Salted Stout that something came to me. I had never dreamed, not once in my life, but I had a dream that night. I saw myself... I saw myself take another's life. It... It wasn't easy. I suffered through it. Every minute was pain. But when I awoke, it came true. It happened once more later on, and I discovered there was something more to my purpose for being. And it later came to me that for each life I took, something more was revealed. Nihilus told me a bit, just a little bit, about the ritual you've discovered or crafted or both. Yes. The the sacrifice he described as a bridge to Tsaurus, is that accurate? A catalyst? Yes, though, unlike what it took to get here, no lives must be sacrificed. Oh. You take something else. I don't know exactly what it is, but it's an essence. Hmm. The soul? Perhaps. We won't know until we find out. He smiles. I see. I'm going to perform the ritual tonight, and we'll have another like us. I shall assist you. It's so rare to get to talk like this with someone like us. Would you... And she's saying this part out loud still. Would you permit me to try to see into your mind? I would so love to hear how Tsaurus sounds to you. Yes, of course. I would graciously accept a guest of another enlightened. He holds out his hands. And... 
and she'll take them. And so Wes, I, perhaps this is a shenanigan. She'd sort of like, oh, she's going to cast detect thoughts, of course. And I'd sort of like to do a psychic medicine check. Uh, or maybe it's an insight check. You reach into his mind. He is not going to roll a wisdom saving throw because he willingly fails. And and as you reach in, you're brought upon a memory of your own first. It's a strange thing to connect with another in such a way, especially one who is like you. The mind doesn't work exactly the same way as a normal person. And you remember laying in bed, a candlelight by the door, and a woman sitting on the edge. It's your Aunt Amalia. In a mystic forest where moonlight casts eerie shadows, there lived a bird named a nightjar. A guardian of the night, she had a secret task to guide lost souls who shimmered with connection to the heavens. And each night, the nightjar sang her haunting lullaby, calling those special souls trapped in between earth and stars. Her eyes, the eyes of the nightjar, glowed like embers, embraced these souls, leading them through the night to the celestial kingdom above, where they were all connected. And in the heavens, these souls became a part of constellations. They watch over us, a little light to remind us of the bond between worlds. She looks out of the window and points to a distant dim star. And that star, all the way over there, is yours. And she'd forgotten that until just now, how she used to look at that star and really believe it, that that was hers. And she was going to grow up and help people and lead people through the darkness. But the sky is far and wide. And there are many stars, some entirely unrecognizable from another. And sometimes, when a night jar is born, they don't learn the path if they're not taught it. You, little Izzy, you know it. Not everybody will. Sometimes those who get lost are sad or dangerous. Be careful, because though there are few night jars in this world, 
each one has different feathers. And as you peer into this mind, you see a man sitting in a dark room, surrounded by piles of bones, as he places each one very carefully next to the other with an obsessive, compulsive sort of methodology. When one's a little bit off, you can sense that he would spend hours on just the one to make sure it was perfect. And as your minds unlink, he knows what you saw and he looks towards you with reverence. Everything that Source wanted is coming true. We're going to make more like us. Those who we can guide and can guide the rest of the flock. And for a moment, she sympathizes with that because she remembers how sad she would get thinking about what her aunt said about the lost night jars, the ones who couldn't find their stars when she knew exactly where hers was. Does she feel like he saw her memory? He does. And he doesn't much for acknowledge it. He smiles at having seen it. And this should be a good place, I think, to end the session. <laughs> <laughs>